My name is Jim Solomon. I'm, this is, this is a joy. I'm excited about being in West Virginia. Um, I will set your minds at ease if you don't know me. I am not a Californian, even though my truck has California plates. We have been missionaries in California for the last 13 years, but we are not from California. <clears throat> we have been reminded multiple times this week, oh, you're the people from California. You know, and I guess just walking by where we're staying over at Monongah, they see the truck and they assume that we're Californians, but we are not. So you can, you can breathe a little easier. Um, couple points of business. Tonight, uh, you don't know me, you don't know my wife. That's my wife sitting back there in front of Mary. You know Mary and Pat, and she's sitting back there to make sure Pat behaves this morning. He told me that that's Mary's job, but... Uh, we're going to do a, a short Bible study tonight, and then this will be a chance for you to ask us any question that you want to. And right outside on the table next to the box are three-by-five cards. You don't have to put your name on them. You just have to write them legibly because I can't read well. So uh, if you'd like to ask us a question, and if you don't want to write it on a card, you can just ask us when you come together tonight, when we come together tonight. Would love to answer any questions that you have about us. The other thing you'll find in the foyer next to the box is a survey. And I would like to ask everyone to fill this survey out for me. There on the second line, it says Calvary Baptist Church Survey. Please do not, please do not put your name on this. This is anonymous. This way I can evaluate and see kind of where you're at, I can get to know you without you saying, well, I can't, I can't tell you, I can't answer that question because you'll know who it is. Don't put your name on them. Now, what did I say? Don't put your name on it. The last survey I did in the last church I was at, half the people put their name on it, even though it says, please do not put your name on this. I went up the Actually, it says Galilean Baptist Church. Calvary Baptist Tabernacle, and I... How many of you know where I was this time last year? I was on life support in a hospital one year ago today. Um, a lot of the medical professionals said I probably should not be here, that I should be in glory, but we were actually a little over three months in the hospital. Um, so my brain still is not functioning. Well, of course, it never did function really well, but it's a little harder to function after what we went through last year. But, yeah, this says Galilean Baptist. We made, thanks. You know, if you ever, if you ever listen to a pastor, actually, I've done it myself, listen to myself preach uh, on a tape, and you realize how many mistakes you made during, during the morning, or during any message you preach, we, we make mistakes. And that's because I'm human. No, this is actually a totally different survey than the last one that I did, because I knew a little more of the history of the church where I was at before, before we went there. Uh, let's open with a word of prayer this morning. Father, we just come before you this morning and ask that you'll just be glorified through our time together, that 
you will bless our time in your house this morning. And that, Father, as we open the word and look through this passage, I pray that you'll just guide us and direct us. And we pray this in your most precious name. Amen. When I got up early this morning and went to print my notes, Mary, you don't have a pot roast in the oven, do you? I looked down at the page count, and the page count for my notes this morning was 28 pages of notes. So I thought, rather than be here till tonight, I'd cut it down a little bit. So I think it's only 18 pages now or something like that. I didn't count them, but this is what we're going to talk about this morning in, from God's Word. But I want to read something to you. And other than Mike, Mike cannot answer this question. This, this, and I just received this the other day. It says, we, we covenant together since the Spirit of God has led us to trust the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. And since we have declared our beliefs publicly by being baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, we do now, in the presence of God, angels, and this assembly, most solemnly and joyfully join in this covenant with one another as one body in Christ. We promise, therefore, with the help of the Holy Spirit, to carry on our personal relationship in Christian love, to work diligently to promote this church family spiritual knowledge, holiness, and encouragement to promote its prosperity and spirituality, to support its worship, ordinances, discipline, and doctrines, to contribute cheerfully and regularly to the support of the ministry, the expense of the church, the relief of the poor, and the spread of the gospel through all nations. We also promise to conduct family and private devotions, to educate our children in spiritual matters, to seek the salvation of our relatives and friends, to behave wisely in this world, to do what is right in our business dealings, be faithful to our promises, and to be above criticism in our behavior, to avoid all tattling, backbiting, and excessive anger, to abstain from this person, the personal sale and use of intoxicating beverages or drink as a beverage, and to be zealous in our efforts to advance the kingdom of our Savior. We further promise to watch over one another with brotherly love, to pray for each other regularly, to help each other in sickness and in trouble, to cultivate Christian sympathy and feeling and courtesy in speech, slow to take offense, but always ready for reconciliation and mindful of the rules of our Savior to secure it without delay. We moreover promise that when we leave this church, we will as soon as possible unite with some other church where we can carry out the spirit of this covenant and the principles of God's word. Can anybody tell me where I read this from? Ooh, you're good. First page is the covenant of the Constitution and Articles of Faith for Galilean Baptist Church. And I'm going to go through the Constitution and the bylaws. I'm not here to change everything. I'm here to pastor and help reach this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're going to do whatever it takes to do that. And one of the things in the survey that I'm asking you to fill out is identify areas that you want to help in. 
The other thing is identify areas that you don't want to do. Because I could call Pat up, when I'm, when I'm done preaching, I call Pat up and say, Pat, will you lead us in the closing song? What would you do, Pat? <laughs> I don't want Pat leading music. Pat doesn't want to, and I didn't, I'm, I'm picking on him because I know if, I know his name. Jake's next. Oh, you laugh, Richard. See, I, uh huh. Richard's laughing, but maybe he's third in the line. But I don't want to ask you to work in the nursery if you don't love babies. I don't want you to lead music if you can't lead music. I can't get my arms going right. I have never been able to lead music. My wife and I met singing in a gospel singing group, so that's a question you can't ask tonight. But I can't lead music, but I can sing music. There's a difference. I want people that are gifted in areas of their giftedness to use them to further the kingdom and to help this church grow. So be honest in this survey and when it's time that we need leaders. Mike said, we need either Joy Club leaders or Awana Club leaders. How are we going to reach the kids in this neighborhood with the gospel if we don't have something for them to come to besides church and Sunday school? Can't do it by ourselves. I don't think Mike wants to take it on all by himself. We could volunteer him, but I'm not sure that's the best way to go. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of 1 Timothy. Get into the Word. See how far we go this morning. First Timothy introduces us to a new set of epistles which were written by Paul, First and Second Timothy and Titus, and they're called the pastoral epistles because they have to do with the local church. We see what the church is and what it's supposed to be. It's not a building. You can build a building and you can put a steeple on it and you can put, is there a bell in this one? Ah, we need a bell. But you know what? A steeple, a bell, and a building does not make a church. Neither does a choir. I would love to see a choir and somebody leading it. But that does not make up a church. There are two things that must happen to identify us as a local church. And... First and Second Timothy and Titus were written to young men, young preachers, so that they could help grow up the church. They needed instruction. Every young pastor. I had a call from a guy this week that I have mentored in his ministry. He was the associate pastor in a very small church. And one Sunday night when the senior pastor closed in prayer, he said, this is my last Sunday, and he walked off the pulpit and out the side door of the church, never to go back while he went back to pick up his library. Here's a young man in the ministry that was left with this little church. He called me this week. He said, I miss you. He said, I miss the times that we're together. 
because I've grown because of my teaching. And I'm like, wow. But study, study what Paul did with these young men and how he trained them up. And we've got to identify some things. And the two things that we're, we need to deal with is the creed of the church and the conduct of the church. From the church within. Why did, why did, I'm going Jake, why did you come to church this morning? Study the word. Pat, why did you come to church? Richard, listen to me. Some of you came because you heard the new guy was coming today, so you wanted to see what he looked like. But we need to be coming together to worship the Lord together. Now, when is worship? When does, when does worship start in the church? All the time. Most of the time, a lot of bulletins, and this one doesn't do it. I'm thankful for whoever makes the bulletins. It doesn't say, it says it's a worship service at 1045. It doesn't say that the music is the worship part of the service. You know, we worship in our tithes and offerings. We worship when we have communion. We worship when we sing, when we preach, when we pray. Should be when worship is, when we come through the doors of this building. This building is not the church. We are the church. For the church on the outside... Good works must be manifested. Worship is in here. Works is out there. The people that live in that house right there, who knows who lives right there? They're old. They're older than me, so that means they must be a little older. I haven't met them yet, but my goal in the next month is to knock on every door on this street and find out who lives here and find out how we can pray for them. What we do, you know, Jake, I know what you do for a living. Every time he works on somebody's car, he has a testimony of what the church means to him or what Christ means to him by the way he handles himself in business dealings at work. When Pat was down in the cold, did you work underground, Pat? When you were underground in that mine for 32 years, your testimony every day pointed people either to Christ or away from Christ. We have to take what we learn in here and what's in here and take it out there to this community. People are dying and going to hell every day because people haven't told them what Jesus Christ did on the cross. So our conduct outside will point people to Christ. But how do we start? Go to Matthew chapter 7. Keep your finger in 1 Timothy. Matthew chapter 7. We're going to do a little moving around or I'm not going to get through these notes. And it doesn't matter if I do or not. We're going to go where we're going. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these words of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who builds his house on the rock. 
and the rain descends, the floods come, and the winds blew and beat on the house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But to everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And the rain descends, the floods came, and the winds blew, and here and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. If you don't have a foundation, you know, I've walked around the church. This building that we meet in collectively looks like it has a pretty good foundation. It's not all cracked. It's not falling down. But where are we founded? How many of you have worked construction? What's the key? Because we know that architects, I'm sorry, but if you're an architect, it, they make mistakes. The key to any building is a foundation, isn't it? I worked on one job years ago, and our foundations for the bridge we were doing were over 30 feet deep, 8 feet across, and when they got the drill down to almost 30 feet, it expanded out and made a bell down there. It took hundreds of yards of concrete and lots of steel to hold that bridge up. You know what? We need a foundation under us, which is the Word of God. Because if we don't have a solid foundation under us, we will fall. We need to be very careful as a church not to drift from the truth of the Word. Where are we going as a body of believers? I know it's my first Sunday. This was not, I worked for several weeks on a message that I will bring someday, but today's not the day. Because I went up to work upstairs in the house on it the other day. And you'll know when it's that day to, for that message because I have a sword that will barely fit on this table. It's about that long. And I'm going to bring it in and I'm going to set it up here. So you'll know that the message I prepared on the way out here for today, that's when you're going to hear that one. But God said that's not what we need to hear today. But what are we doing as a body of believers? And what does it take to have a quality church? Somebody want to help me out? What does it take to have a quality church? Believers? I thought Mike was I thought Mike had snuck into the house and looked at my notes this morning on when he was teaching. It's really it's it's you can ask my wife, you can ask her that tonight if you want. There have been so many times that I've gone to church to preach, and the chairman of the board of deacons, who is a, the adult Sunday school teacher, teaches my message. It was like he went in and looked on my computer before Sunday school and he copied my notes more than once. Or the songs. Did you look at the songs that we sang this morning? Actually, right here on the top of this page, I took a pen and wrote Refiner's Fire. And if I get there, I want to see some of those words, but not right now, because it challenges us to stand where we should be in relationship to our Savior. But one, and I changed the order after I printed these this morning. But I think the number one thing that we have to have as a body of believers to have a quality church is the centrality 
of the gospel of God's grace. How did you get saved? Somebody told you you were a sinner and had a need for the Savior. If you didn't, if you didn't know that you were a sinner, how could you be saved? We need to keep Christ and the gospel at the center of everything that we do. You gotta have sound teaching. And it's not just me or Mike. It's every single person that teaches starting in the nursery when there's babies in there. When I hold a brand new baby, I got to hold a two and a half week old baby last two weeks ago. That baby j didn't hardly fill up my hands except its feet. I mean, here's a baby that literally its head was here, its bottom was here, and it had feet about that long. I'm like, if this child grows into its feet, it's going to be... A of course, his mom is about six foot tall, so just a, one of the girls grew up in our youth group, got this beautiful little baby, and I sang Jesus Loves Me to that little baby. Every little baby I get to hold, that's the first song I sing to them, is Jesus Loves Me. When do we need to start teaching? When they're in diapers. But every teacher that teaches, Joy Club, Awana, Sunday School, Wednesday night, Sundays, in your homes, at your work, we need to be teaching what's sound from God's Word. The necessity of prayer. We've got to pray for each other. It's a key to a quality church is praying for one another. The integrity of godly leadership. You, we have to have people in leadership in the church who are godly. And we have to have proper doctrine. Without proper doctrine, you know, you can read through this, but if we don't follow God's Word in relationship to what we believe as a church, then we're not doing it right. I had a talk with my son-in-law this morning. They, they came in to help unpack the trailer. Thank you for those of you that came to help the other day. It was huge. That box sitting out there had most, well, had about half of our stuff in it. The other half's on another trailer in California. But my da our daughter and son-in-law came in, and they're in a different kind of setting in the, the church they go to. They don't have a pastor. They hired one one time, and he didn't work out, so they've never had another pastor. Every elder in their church is a teaching or preaching elder in their church. So he was asking about our, our style of government and, and congregational rule and stuff this morning because they're under an eldership rule at their church. It's a great church. But I told him, I said, a lot of times, you know why, I don't know how West Virginia is, but you know why you have business meetings in most churches? Anybody want to guess? I know in California, the only reason a church has to have a business meeting is the state of California says you have to. You have to have at least one annual meeting a year to satisfy the requirements of the government for a church to function. And every deacon in the church, according to California rule, is a trustee who is accountable to the government of California for how the church is run. It's weird, but that's how they are. Of course, California's weird. But look at 1 Timothy chapter 3. 
verse 15. It says, but if I am delayed, and that's Paul who's writing, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God and the pillar and ground of the truth. And that word ground can be translated as foundation. What is the foundation that we stand on? The Word of God. God's holy Word is our foundation. And Paul deals with the topic of worship in each of his First uh, and Second Timothy and Titus. And in First Timothy chapter 1 is faith and the faith of the church and its doctrine. Two is the order of the church. Three concern, chapter 3 is concerned with the offices of the church. And 4 describes the apostasy that was coming. And 5 and 6 tell of the duties of the officers. And we're going to look at that as we go through this book. In 2 Timothy, Paul deals with the affliction of the church in chapter 1, the activities of the church in 2. Again, the apostasy of the church and the allegiance of the church in 3 and 4. And Titus is similar. He's the same thing. Those three books we can look at and see how we're supposed to be in the church. So again, the creed is on the inside of the church. The conduct is on the outside. Within is worship, and outside is good works. They need to see that we're living. Do you live Monday through Saturday the way you live on Sunday? I know we, most of us don't wear suits on Monday through Saturday unless you have a job like that. But I'm going to, a little sidetrack. I was in a Kmart one time in, in Tucson, Arizona, buying a hunting license. And I was standing at the counter filling out the application, and I hear this, Hey, Mr. Commander! Well, I knew, you know, I was an Awana commander. There's a book back there about commanders and directors. I was one for a lot of years. And I'm thinking, yeah, it can't be me. So I just kept going, and I looked around a little bit, and all of a sudden I hear, Hey, Mr. Commander! So I looked around again, and I didn't see anybody. About the third time, I turned around, and clear up by the cash registers in the front of the store was one of my Awana clubbers. He saw me. I never saw him. He was little. And the really cool thing, I think about it now, is this same little guy. We were on a camping trip one time, and I was the cook. We took our kids on a camping trip. And I'm standing there stirring hot chocolate or something. I feel a tug on my jeans. And I look down, and I said, what? You know, I'm standing at a camp stove cooking, and this little kid's pestering me. You ever done that? Have you ever done that? And I said, what do you want? He said, can I talk to you? And I said, give me a couple minutes. And I kind of shooed him away. I went back to, we were doing hot dogs and hot chocolate and that, and pretty soon there's this tug on my pants again. And I said, what? You, you'll learn that I do this a lot. And he said, can I talk to you? And I said, just give me a minute. He comes back in a couple minutes, and he tugs even harder this time on my pants. And he said, can I talk to you? And I said, 
what do you want? He says, I want to know how to be saved. It only took me three. <laughs> took him three tries. It took, you know, when you're hard-headed. I was focused on cooking. I wasn't focused on these kids. I got somebody to stir the pot. I grabbed my Bible out of my van. And I went out and under a mesquite tree led this child to Christ. Showed him what he needed to know to be saved from God's word. That's the same kid that saw me in Kmart. Now what would my testimony have been if I'd been looking at some magazines or been in a liquor store or something? What would my testimony to this child have been? You never know who's going to see you where you are. So what we do out there had better reflect what we see and do in here. The people in this community need to know us. They need to see us.